This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to today's Westwards Mini Masterclass with me, James Roy. I am your host, as always. And today I'm I'm joined by two people today. I've got our special guest, well, two special guests as well. <laughs> our first special guest is Alistair Carter, who is a slam poet and a health professional and a whole bunch of things. He was also our guest most recently, or oh, by the time this comes out, it will have been the previous Poetry Slam, but the Poetry Slam for April. Yes, and you came in and did a number of um, number of pieces for us. Is that what you call them? Pieces, pieces, po- poems, yeah, yeah. Poems, yeah. Okay. pieces, performances. And we're also joined by Brittany, uh, Brittany Searle. Is that the name we're using? Brittany Campire. Oh, I'm sorry, Br- Brittany Campire. That's fine. Brittany Campire, who is our one of our Westwards fellows for this year. So welcome, Brittany. And you've got an interest in this kind of. Uh, spoken word thing as well haven't you yeah i began as a spoken word poet because i like a good chat so i figured that would be the best way for me to start Mm -hmm. um and it was very much how i found the elusive writer's voice um because i decided i would just write the way i speak okay sounds good all right well um, we've invited Brittany to come in here and actually be one of the interviewers, perhaps. So okay. if, if anything that Alistair says um, provokes a question from you, Brittany, please feel free to jump in and um, and we'll go from there. But uh, So Alistair, tell us a bit about yourself before we get on to the poetry, perhaps, or maybe it's all in- intertwined. Tell, tell us about you. Intertwined. Uh, let me unravel. I... I'm a student nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a health, sorry. Healthcare worker. <laughs> um, I'm attending tonight's slam remotely uh, because I will be writing an assessment on complex wound care. Nice. Um, and I'll be on my laptop. Um, How many times do you think you're going to use the word granulation? There'll be a- uh, epithelial Epithel- granulation, mm-hmm. uh, sleuth, necrotic, debridement. Is that, yeah, is that nec- necrotic and debridement are words I don't want to ever see in the <laughs> no, same place. No, no, no. Or, 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 or see photographic evidence of. No. Um, so I guess I should speak about poetry. Uh, so I come from a perform- performing arts background. Um, I played timpani in high school um, and I was in some school musicals. Um, and that was my introduction to, to craft and maybe to clowning, to performance. Because your your performances having and you can check these out on our on our YouTube um, channel the uh, with the poetry slam your your performances are quite physically dynamic aren't they <laughs> animated animated yes. Yes. yes yeah physically dynamic I like <laughs> that um, yeah and I would I would attribute that to Newtown High School of the Performing Arts oh. and doing dance and and music and drama and all those fun things. Um, poetry as far as performing my own words as opposed to something scripted um that comes from my journaling mostly okay yeah. which i was going to get to because you you're an ain already aren't you correct and, and it's, which is assistant in nursing which is yes. i think is enrolled nurse still a thing or is that yes yeah okay yeah. so ains are people who unfortunately 
I used to be an RN, and unfortunately, AANs often end up doing the, the grunt work, don't they? The, the, um, the debriding of necrotic wounds. No, that's more an RN thing, but um, let's, not, let's not get too cut. Yeah, let's not get too far into necrosis. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but you're, you're, you're studying to be a registered nurse, but I, I don't want to sort of go too much into all of that because really I see that as just another a continuum, an extension, or just another facet of this idea of caring and mm. um, I, I'm always reluctant to use the word altruism because it sort of has become a bit imbued with this idea that it's oh, bleeding heart on still because mm. it feels like a good thing yeah. to do. Although, um, you know, it has the word serves a purpose, but presumably that's why people go into health and uh, health care, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, look, I, I prescribe to that idea of the hurt healer I'm just someone put with with my own hurt, my own trauma, and my way of of managing that is by going out into the world and ostensibly benevolent, being benevolent and, and being kind. Others, mm-hmm. but really, it probably <laughs> comes from my own my own uh, my own fears of the world, uh, trying to make everything everything safer and calmer and kinder. And I think yeah. you know, in in amongst what you just said, I think we've just discovered the title for this podcast, which is the hurt healer. <laughs> That was actually amazing. <laughs> that, that is that's a, that's a good quote. I, I think that also needs to be the title of the next book you do. When you do a book of poetry, book we've of got poetry. it. The Hurt Healer. The Hurt Healer. By Alastair Carter. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, the nursing, I grew up in hospitals. My, my older sister uh, lived with a phasioscapular humor dystrophy. We spent a lot of time in and out of, of ICUs and, and different wards. Um, so I don't know how much of a choice I had in stepping into that or if it was something that I was just funneled into through personal experience. But I mean, is, is quite seriously, is that the experience of your sister being ill? Is that made you, is that what made you go? Not so much, I'm familiar with this place, I want to stay here, but rather I can actually contribute to making life easy for people with difficult yeah. circumstances. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and how have you, and presumably, and I know this from experience, but presumably you find that there's enormous frustration as well comes along with the inability to help people as much as you probably would like to. Is that something that informs your writing? Oh, interesting. Um, there are so many aspects to our health and I think we focus quite a bit on our, on our physiology, on our body systems and... And of course, there is now a mental health focus, um, uh, emotional well-being, etc. And and the answer isn't always pharmacology. I think we're quick to to look for the for the prescription medications that will that will take the pain away. Um, I think my writing addresses my own health um, and how I'm able to to process to digest. Um, what I what I witness, what I experience. Um, I mean, journaling is probably an ancient practice as much as as much as a slam poetry night. I, I feel is an ancient practice. It's people coming together around the fire and and sharing stories and, and empathizing. Fire. We haven't got a fire in here yet. We need to get that. Get in. But yeah, that'll. There's apps that do that. There are fire apps. I know. I have a toddler obsessed with his iPad. Okay. Cool. Um, do you find that writing about your trauma is like 
helps, but do you also find it, it can be quite confronting? I know sometimes um, what I'm writing is very trauma-based and I find that sometimes it's very hard. I dredge it up and then I'm stuck in that place. Mm. Who I choose to share, how much I choose to share, um, is, is equally as, as important. So I... If there is something that is something as as hmm, something that niggles, something that eats away at, at at um at a part of me that maybe hasn't had the chance of heal to, to, to heal, um, or isn't ready to have light shone upon it to be illuminated, um, I take that to different spaces. So yes, I access slam to share story for catharsis, if you want to call it that. Or, um, but I also have good friends, good family, good therapists. Um, you always need one of those. And, they, and so what? I, what? What, ma- what material I bring to to those different? Yeah, I need. I need to be cautious because I have probably fallen into a familiar trap that that you're um, recognizing of. Of unveiling something before I was prepared, adequately prepared to unveil. Yeah. I think that's also the world of social media. I think we've been programmed to overshare now. And when we go into our creative spaces as writers, we almost feel inauthentic when we pull back because we're so used to people on Facebook using it as a poorly grammatically sort of styled diary. So we think that's sort of what we need to do and we're programmed to watch reality mm. tv mm. and i i personally find too that i struggle with finding the place where i'm telling my version of the truth versus someone else telling theirs mm. and when you've got trauma and you're carrying it around like your trauma shapes it so where how do you find that place like when you're telling a story do have you made peace with the fact that that's your perception of events Ooh, um when I'm telling, so when I'm telling a story, um, I so something you said there made me think of, um, of of the audience and consent by the audience. Perhaps that's the strange thing about social media. No one, we give our <laughs> consent when we sign in to be bombarded by <laughs> millions of these weirdly detached, bubbled stories just floating around and then coming at us. And and to be to be quite, you know, sorry to interrupt, but yeah keeping in mind too that that version of themselves that people are showing us via social media is invariably a slightly more rose-coloured version of, <laughs> or in some cases, the opposite. Yeah, but or in some cases. Say, yeah. Oh, poor me. Um, yeah, sorry. Can, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, it's been manufactured maybe, um, or at least it's been nitpicked. It's been prepared. What's that wonderful thing you do to your hair to zhuzh it up? Um, it's... It's stylized, maybe. Yeah, stylized. It's stylized. Um, and, yes, yeah, so we need to be mindful of that. But I think we need to be mindful of, of who is consenting to to receive our stories. I mean, I... If, if I'm scrolling through social media and someone has worn their heart on their sleeve, they poured, they've opened up a scar, they're, they're bleeding out in front of me, and, I, and I've... I guess I've consented because I've logged in, but I don't necessarily have the tools or the equipment on hand to quickly to manage that wound. <laughs> there we go. Hence, that's hence, hence the new trend, which I don't think is a I don't use the trend in a bad way in a bad way, but 
that word, but the trend off of trigger warnings before yeah. before mm. things. Yeah, and I think that is important. Look, I. Yeah, I mean, po- poetry is powerful. You go to a slam night. Um, for an audience member, it's just as important to do their preparation, maybe as it is for the performer. Um, so well, we, we, saw, we saw. Sorry, to interrupt, but we saw hmm. this in an interesting way in the last slam, didn't we? Because there was a member of um, member of the audience who got up and did a poem about parental trauma, <laughs> and it's all on there. You can watch it. Hmm. And then somebody from the audience spoke up and said, "Have you maybe thought about the just scene. sitting and letting their parents talk to you and listen?" And then in the space of less than an hour, a rebuttal was written and, and presented quite spectacularly on That's the stage. That's awesome. Um, but that was very much uh, in the room. There was, it was a bit like theatre really, wasn't it, in that sense that when you're watching theatre and you see something really confronting on the stage, you're not, it's not like a movie where you go, well, this has been filmed and curated and, mm-hmm. and carefully prepared. This is happening right now and any discomfort you feel in that room right now is real discomfort. Mm. Is that something that you you kind of try to? Is it something you try to uh, foster in the room, or is it just something that is one of the one of the side benefits or advantages or side effects of the space in which you're doing it? Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's organic. If you bring people together, there will be a clash of personalities. Different philosophical outlooks, different um, experiences, people bring themselves. That's the beauty of the Poetry Slam. It's If it's 12, it's, if it's 20 performers, whatever, they all individually bring themselves. And we are not agreeable. I mean, for, <laughs> for however long, I don't, I'm not an anthropologist, but they've been studying people. It's been an attempt to to cooperate um and that is not necessarily always a comfortable experience um which is do you think that's why the discomfort of that is that do you think that's why poetry and storytelling in that kind of artistic sense tends to deal in metaphors and and similes and and symbolism rather than just saying you know you know, saying it out loud and mm. out loud and proud. You mm. sort of couch it in these interesting idioms and so forth. Do you think mm. that's part of that? Yes. Um, we, in an attempt, poetry is an attempt to to show not to tell. That's that classic writing trope. Mm. Um, mm. To show not to tell. The best way I, I know in my experience to show my humanness is to speak from from my own experiences um it's i don't want to tell the audience how they should feel Mm. i don't want to say this bad thing happened to me therefore you should feel sympathetic toward me um i want to show this was my human experience there are lots of conflicting feelings I have around this. And then I open it up to you to have your own complex, conflicted feelings about this too. Yeah. I think in that sense, spoken word poetry is very much like art, isn't it? Like you can see the metaphors, but you bring your own subjectivity to those metaphors. As an English teacher, I often get kids being like, Miss, the blue door's just a blue door. And I'm like, yeah, but do you want it to just be a blue door? (laughs) I mean, 
your essay doesn't want it to be a blue door. So I think, and it's also, I think in terms of oversharing, it's our way of putting like a, you can mm. go as deep into mm. this as you want to go. Mm. So you can choose how far you yep. consent to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your, what is your investment? Yeah. 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 What is the blue door? Oh, usually it's sadness. Okay. Usually the blue door is sadness. Sometimes it's magic. You never know. Okay. Sometimes it's the door to the treatment room. Yes. Oh. With, the, with that little sensor that, yeah, that opens and closes. And the little window so that people yeah. looking in can see everything you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I, I, worked in, I worked in health for almost 20 years and I worked at the adolescent unit of a kids' hospital um, as an RN. And I, I took a lot of experiences from that and have a work them into my own writing because I write for young adults but I didn't feel that I could do that really until I left that job I didn't feel it was fair to take even though they were couched in sort of anonymity and mm. you know made up names and stuff privacy privacy I, I just didn't feel like it, even though nobody was going to identify oh that's Rachel that you put in that book there mm. um, I felt that there was still a, a need for me to keep myself separate from um, those true stories and my fiction. How do you approach that idea of, if it's not just about you, because any interaction that you're talking about with a patient, or sorry, a healthcare client, I think they call them now. Is that what they call them now? Anyway, a, a, a patient, a customer. <laughs> any exchange that you have with the person in the bed, right? If you can put your own spin on that as to what your, your side of that interaction is, but they're bringing their own, they're part of that, conversation because a nurse who isn't doesn't have a patient is just somebody sitting at a desk there's always two sides to this interaction how do you do you feel the need to say to them i'm going to put you in a poem or do you just go this has triggered something in myself that i'm going to write about is there do you think there are consent issues there i'm not trying to put you on the spot i'm, no, I'm genuinely no, interested I mean, you, t- you spoke about identification, the the individual's anonymity, and I don't do I. I'm just asking myself the question: Do I write someone into my poem? Because you you read you read a poem the other night. And I'm going to get you to read one in a minute, but you read a poem the other night about was it the one about Showering someone, mm, supporting right? someone through palliative, yeah, yeah, palliative care, and clearly they're not just a prop; they're clearly very much a part, mm. or is in fact that person a placeholder for all the other people in palliative care that you've cared for. Mm. Ooh, ooh. In that poem. I describe moments of connection I had with that person, but I believe those moments could be shared by two people anywhere at any time. Like, it's... They were not washing someone's hair, um, preparing the right consistency of puree for for their meals. This is... This is something that is occurring right now mm-hmm. um, in in hospitals and, and supported livings or, you know, universally. So, yes, I write with the memory that I have, 
but I know that 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 connection that that human interaction is is universal so I don't think I write them into my poem I think I just write about the connection mm, interesting I suppose if if there, there was an actual conversation that took place that you know the what the content of that conversation was important then that's a little different isn't it yeah yeah in the in the in, in the detail you were going to read something for us. Is that one you'd be prepared to read, or is that not I, quite the... I do not have it with you don't have me. It? That's okay. I, was, I wasn't prepared to... Um, I didn't... That's okay. I didn't prepare for, for reading. Plus, with all this, what did you call it, physical dynamism or <laughs> animation, um, I didn't know if I could do that through a That's podcast, okay. Have you got anything you can read for us? There is something I read the other week. Um, okay, we'd love to hear something. Okay, let's Keeping in mind for everyone that, yes, poetry... Now, just while you're getting your stuff together there, hmm. I've got a bit of a bugbear when, <laughs> and I've told Daphne this, who runs the West Side Poetry Slam, the, the tagline that they put, anything can be poetry. Do you think that's true? Because I, was, I said sort of semi-jokingly to my wife t- today when she said, are you going to perform tonight at the Poetry Slam? And I said, I thought I just got a lovely pair of P90 pickups for my new guitar maybe I'll read the installation instructions for those. To and a beat? Like to a rhythm? Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. It's to jazz, a, so who knows? Strum, but, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm being very flip there, but do you think anything can be poetry? And what is it? Yeah. My mum gave me a fridge magnet many years ago that says, it's not every day the world writes itself into a poem. Mm. That's I love that. Mm. What a fridge magnet. So, <laughs> I've got a fridge magnet that has the phone number for my plumber on it. That's <laughs> yeah, me too. I have some dinosaurs as well. <laughs> dinosaurs are popular. And, and something from, um, I think I've got a fridge magnet from the Great Western Plains Zoo. So that's just so you know. <laughs> Fun facts. <laughs> So you can, Is there a metaphor in the installation instruction on a P90 microphone or pickup? Or I think there probably is. I'm going to have to look for one. I think I agree. Yeah. I think if you were metaphorical, and I know this is very deep, right? But I know <laughs> if you wanted to be one of those hippie beatnik poets mm. and you wanted to use what those things are as a metaphor for something in your life mm. and you performed it and go. you spoke it in a particular way, I think that would count. Which is hilarious because that's a complete dichotomy to my opinion of people like Rupee Kaur. Like, I cannot stand it. I hate it. I'm like, that is an Instagram caption. And even then, sometimes I read it and I'm like, well, you're a teacher and you do teach. It's all poetry. So mm. I just have to deal but, with it. But I guess, like, particularly in spoken word. Because Daniel, Daniel Dennett, the philosopher, he, he has, I think his daughter coined the term for him, but he now uses it, the, the deepity which is a deepity is one of those things usually in a philosophical sense where it sounds it sounds oh. profound but it's not mm. <laughs> and in terms of what how much meaning it has it's actually meaningless but it sound and someone like Deepak Chopra is a he's a deepity meme generator i'm prepared to say that out loud um, okay. because whatever he's, if he were even to bother to reply to me i wouldn't understand what he said um, but is that something i i, I don't want to think that that's what we're looking for is a deepity. I think we're looking for connection and, and mm. serious deepness. But can that be found in the instruction manual for a P90 pickup? I think it's up to the audience. They're very good pickups. 
It's, it's, but it's up to the observer. <laughs> the tone right? writers are very good pickups. If someone wants to find, like you said, meaningless, but if someone wants to find meaning in that, we will ascribe it, right? Like we'll, 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 yeah, we'll discover it. Um, you know, it's that old thing of we can't judge art, but we can judge the judge of art. So we yeah. can say this person, yeah. so like I can look at a piece of art and, and, and subjectively be like, just nah, not happening mm-hmm. for me. No resonance, nothing's. But someone who has curated galleries and, and been exposed to plethora of, of, of art and, and, and understands the, the, the reasoning, the technique, and the and they could look at the same piece of art that was rubbish to me and be like, oh, no, Alistair, this is magnificent because of these reasons. Um, that's the only way that, the, that I could judge the art is by judging the judging. Oh, actually, maybe they know something I don't know. So maybe a sound technician could listen to you read the P90 instructions and draw something from that. From the rhythm that in I, which you said it. That I wouldn't. I don't... They're very good pickups. They're the really song. good. You know, uh, fun story. I met my husband at a poetry slam. Um, I didn't know my... See, it's so funny because oh I didn't know he'd snapping, become my husband. Oh, I didn't know he'd become my husband, but we met and then... Um, I remember talking to him and the whole time I was talking to him there was someone downstairs, a musician, screaming, just screaming. Like there was no, like so loudly that it was like, oh, is she okay? And that was her music. Mm. She would stand, it was one of those artsy, it was like one of the UWS bar type of things. (laughs) And I was like, and so upstairs you've got these poetry slam kids who are just like, tell it like this really sort of like, I don't know, I don't even know how you would describe it, this type of poetry that you listen to and you're like, what are you saying? Um, and then it's very much sort of like you you have to interpret it. Like, And then downstairs you've got this woman screaming incoherently. And I remember walking away and my friend, who is very much the type of person from Western Sydney, she's very practical, she listens to rap, she's of our gen- my generation, and she's like, oh, that's not music. And I'm like, yeah, but... It's a big audience. Mm. Lots of people came to listen to her scream. So in that sense, I guess it is very much like proof of the fact that it's about interpretation. It's I'm about sure it. they were watching the way in which she screamed. Unless it's Nickelback. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Alistair, you are about to say something. No, I just I'm, I have some really embarrassing nostalgia about Nickelback. Um, Any nostalgia about Nickelback is embarrassing. <laughs> Now, I've said all that about you You can only judge the judge of the art and their experience, etc. Then comes along a poetry slam and we say, let's pick some judges by flinging chocolate into the audience. Yeah. And allow them to subjectively ascribe a, a score to what yes, is... No, yes. and but I think that's the, only, the beauty of it. It is, right? And then the only um, guidelines we give them is, did you feel something? Yeah. And I've been to a lot of poetry slams and I've rarely disagreed. Like, I mean, I disagree more on the voice. Mm. Like, I've rarely looked at them and gone, nah. And, like, I think because I suspend my teacheriness when I'm mm. at a poetry slam mm. because I know that's not why I'm there. Usually I can listen. I mean, we all saw Luca Lesson and we all knew what, we all know what Luca Lesson can do. So when he gets tens across the board, we're like, tens, tens, tens. Yeah. So I get it. So I find that I can sit there with someone who's like pulling apart a poem on a literary sense and be like, Mm-mm-mm. but when it's pure feeling, you're like, yeah, I see that. I see that. 
And even when they are a little bit lower or a little bit higher, it's easier to sort of connect with why they went to that place. And I'm not... Um, I'm aware that I'm about to bring this whole branch of the conversation to a shuddering halt with something <laughs> that is probably close to a deepity, but I always like to quote Sibelius in, one of the, in this instance where John Sibelius said, no one ever built a monument to a critic. Mm. Oh. So I don't know if that helps the conversation or, or kills it dead, but there you go. <laughs> Anything can be poetry <laughs> and anyone can be a critic. But just don't expect a monument. I don't know. We're just riffing here, but anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> no, you're talking to a poet here. It's all, it's all inspiration. It's, it's, all it's, not, riff, it's not riffing, it's poetry. Life. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so anyway, Alistair, we'd like, we'd like to put you on the spot as we, we put you on the spot half an hour ago and you, we were about to step to the spot and that is to read something for us and, and everyone's just going to have to imagine that this is delivered while you're standing up and swinging your arms because that's kind of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Please. Prancing, prancing up and down the stage, I like to. Um, and can I just, before you read that, can I just make one more observation? Hmm. You're wearing one of those big four-colour pens tucked into your T-shirt. That's a very nursey thing. It is a very nursey thing. But the number of times I have reached for my pocket and taken out a pen to write something down, even now since I stopped being a nurse you know, more than a decade ago, I still carry a pen in my pocket where I used to carry my nursing pen. And the number of times that I would just reach for it and write something down. So if nursing gave me nothing else, it gave me the... Take notes. The, the, tech, <laughs> the ability to take notes with a four-colour four big pen. Those things, are they're, they're the nurse's sort of first thing you buy, aren't they? They're the gold. Four color pen. They're absolutely gold. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I interrupted yeah. you. You were about to step <laughs> up to the spot. But I just wanted to make that comment, guys, that anyone listening that... Um, if poetry can, if anything can be poetry, then you need to come prepared, which means either have your phone ready to make notes or carry a or, bick in or your a pocket. Big pen. Yeah. Anyway, over to you. This poem, um, surprise, surprise, is about nursing. So, um, t- trigger warning for the hospital setting. I think that's okay. all I can say. <laughs> okay. She said, "Always dress for the occasion." If people are going to look at you, then let them look, but give them something to look at that lets you know what you're all about. So always dress for the occasion, she said. So I said, Last week, I wore my nurse's uniform like a nightingale carries a song. Graceful, with a little trill. I made my nursing uniform look impeccable. I wore... Jewel-padded, leather-topped, sports-anchored, splash-proof kicks. And I moved like Roberto Carlos running up to take that free kick. Like, see this nurse bob and weave and swerve across the ward at Lionel Messi's speeds. And I wore my fob watch like a family heirloom. And yes, I use it to calculate your pulse and respiratory rate, but I also wear it to remind me that what may look upside down to you may be the right way up for me and vice versa, and us humans could benefit from a change of perspective. We don't always have to pin anyone who sees different as the enemy. And I wore my hair up in a slick bun, but with a little overflow flick, This style shows you that, yes, I am a clinical cosine the box square, but I can Rapunzel myself into a performance poet when I'm on a microphone, not a stethoscope. And I kept my forearms and hands bare. 
because sometimes it is better to be without. And yes, I am enamored with pretty jewelry and I know I overdo it, but everyone's talking about Marie Kondo and Zen minimalism and less is more, but I just call it hand hygiene. <laughs> and we could always be doing with more of that. And I wore my navy blue trousers with thousands of pockets full of pens. And the trousers, they made my glutes look like a clown's balloon animal being squeezed within an inch of its life. These pants make my ass pop. These pants are tight! <laughs> and I like that. But seriously, my legs may have looked great, but they are really tired and sore. And my nursing uniform is tired and worn. And my belief in universal free healthcare for all those in need is tired and forlorn. My trust in good government is tired and torn. We are failing. And I can dress for the occasion. And I can make it look like everything is okay, but the Liberal government is planning to further defund Medicare, and that doesn't look fucking okay to me. So, Westwards podcast, this coming election, I'm closing my eyes to the bullshit. The biased bullshit the Murdoch media dresses up as news. And I will vote to save Medicare. And I will look damn fine doing it. Thank you. That was amazing. Snap, snap, snap. snap, 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 snap. So that's um, that's terrific. Thank you so much. Um, we're okay, gonna. I didn't level out your mic too much. No, it was, I was watching closely. It was <laughs> fun. We got a compressor on here, so it's all good. Um, anything you wanted to add before we wrap it up? Um, I, yeah, so something did come to me on the train that I wanted to mention, which was that I was at the Nimbin Performance Poetry World Cup. Um, if you'd like to go and see 40 poets over two days battle it out, um, for performance poetry, it is, it is a hoot, it is an absolute blast, it's an experience. Um, I met a new age hippie poet up there who said to me, that poetry could save the world. This was their belief when they first started performing. And they did get some success and they got published and they won some slams and they had some really cool stuff happening for them. And then they became really despondent and sad because despite all that poetry that they were producing and sending out into the world, the, 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 the waves, the ripples, they... they, they so cautious here I think we all we all see the news every night and we know that this poet despite their best efforts and intentions didn't save the world with their poetry mm. and that that really hurt for them and I sat with it and I said to them I, I said look it, you may not save the world but you may save me you may save yourself, you might save that child. You might inspire that engineer or that philosopher or that so Or that nurse. Or that nurse. Mm -hmm. Um so I guess I wanna 
want to en- en- encourage people not to be intimidated by by the by the by the goal setting by the by the production by the publication by the by the achievements of their poetry but actually just to go out and, and to live it um, go to a slam be brave step up and and, and, and share your little piece mm. yeah yeah fantastic thank you so it's been it's been really great to chat with you today, Alistair. I hope we can do it again sometime. I want to um, wish you the best with your nursing career. Thank you. Um, wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> wash your hands. And you did a really very good poem about hand washing the other night, actually, which I really enjoyed. Um, but uh, look, it's not for everyone, and I I know this from personal experience that after eighteen years I'd had enough. I couldn't do it anymore. It was mm. killing me. Um, but I'm eternally grateful there are people who want to do that work. So from all of us to all of you people, especially in the last couple of years, I mean, I can't even imagine. I was I was quietly terrified they were going to come to me and say, yeah, you're not registered, but we can register you again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to suddenly feign a terrible hip injury and because... So you know, bring that prosthetic leg. You were that, that prosthetic. Leg. <laughs> there we go. That's a tease. Yeah, just just for some background. Yesterday, I was up in a second-hand shop in Parramatta, and for one hundred and forty-nine dollars, you can go and buy yourself a um a second-hand prosthetic leg. For anyone in the market for a prosthetic but leg, but only if you need a right a right one above the knee. <laughs> anyway, so yes, but um, look, seriously though, um, we do appreciate you and other people like you do both as poets and as health professionals we can't get through it without you so thank you and thank you for coming and talking to us and uh where can we find you do you have like an insta you can find me at poetry slams and open mic nights uh oh. at nimbin in september maybe it's slam a lama ding dong in december or westwards tonight westwards tonight banks down poetry slam enough said poetry slam wollongong you'll find me on glee point road You'll find me at Newtown Station. Beautiful. I'll be around Look for the hair. The, the hair and the earrings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much, Alistair. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Brittany. You.